to David. The Lord sent a friend to confront David. The Lord sent a prophet to David to hear a word of truth. There are times in our lives when we need to hear a word of truth. Sometimes we are David, and sometimes we are Nathan. I really enjoy Nathan's style in this passage. Nathan knew that he was going to be confronting the king, and he went into his bag. He went into all of the resources and gifts and talents that he had, and he pulled out courage and strength and tact, and he pulled out creative storytelling skills. Nathan used a parable to get David's attention. I think we all know someone else who did that at length, and that was Jesus would use those parables to teach us something, to get our attention. Sometimes we are David. Sometimes we are able to see the sin in someone else, but we cannot recognize it in ourselves. Nathan tells David a parable of a rich man, a poor man, and a little ewe lamb. The rich man has everything he could possibly have, but the poor man has a, a young lamb that he has bought and that he has raised up, that he's fed the food off of his own table, treated it like it was a daughter. I think there are some of us in this room who have had pets that we have loved as children, or we know people who have done like that. I know the, the dogs that were raised in my parents' home were never want for anything. They loved bacon and spaghetti sauce, and, and they were not expected to do much. And in the story, a visitor comes, and the rich man refused to use anything out of his large flock and instead took this beloved lamb from the poor man. David could see that the rich man was wrong, but he couldn't see that he was wrong himself. David could see that the poor man had taken a prized possession from the poor man, but David could not see that he had also taken a prize from a poorer man. And in actuality, David had done worse than the rich man because then David even took the life of the poorer man. I think sometimes we don't see the sin in ourselves and it's easier to see it in someone else. Or when we can see it, we don't want to acknowledge it. Or we think, oh, it's not bothering anybody. And we just sort of refuse to see the sin is there. How many times have I preached God loves all people? A lot. Have I said that just a few times? How many times have I said that it's, that it's difficult to love the person that disagrees with us or the person who doesn't love us back? How many times have I said that? And how many times have I encouraged all of us to step out and love each other better? And yet I fail at that more often than I would care to admit. I fail at loving the people that God loves. And sometimes those sermons just come back to me. I particularly find it difficult to love all people during a political season of elections. All those negative ads on TV and friends on Facebook spouting this, supporting this, that I disagree with, that I really don't see why they see that, it's very difficult for me 
during that season to see love and to be love. And yet God loves everybody I disagree with. God loves the politicians I don't vote for. God loves everybody on Facebook. God even loves the people who come up with those horribly negative ads on TV. God loves, all, God loves Republicans. God loves Democrats. God loves independents. God loves people who don't vote. God loves them all. And yet this time of year, it's so hard for me. And I fail at that. I fail at that. Like David, I can see the sin in somebody else saying something they shouldn't be saying. But oh, it's hard to acknowledge and recognize that sin in me that struggles with love in all people. Sometimes we are David and we can't see that sin. Sometimes we're David and we don't want to acknowledge that sin. Sometimes we are David and we refuse to see that sin. And then God puts somebody in our life to hold up a mirror and say, ah, that's you. Sometimes we are Nathan. Sometimes we are the ones that God says, now go and speak a word of truth into this injustice. Sometimes God tells us to be that prophet who speaks God's word to someone and says, hang on here. Sometimes God calls us to be Nathan. I can imagine that when the Lord sent Nathan, Nathan was a little bit scared and a little bit fearful. It's not like God was sending Nathan to his buddy he was sending Nathan to the king. The king. And if the king did not like what Nathan had to say, it wasn't going to go well for Nathan. He could end up in prison or worse. But the Lord sent Nathan to David. The Lord gave him strength, gave him courage, gave him the words to say. Sometimes we are Nathan. In August of last year, there was the incident that happened in Charlottesville, Virginia. There was the white pride rally that resulted in protesters and counter-protesters. A woman was killed, run over by a car. There were two deputies that died in that event. And it put up a mirror to this entire nation and said racism is still a problem. White privilege is still a problem. There was something else that happened that weekend too. And I can tell you, that the clergy persons in the North Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church have never had this happen before. We don't often get letters from our bishop. We just don't. We get information through the district superintendent. But that Saturday night, we all received a letter from the bishop telling us you are to preach that racism and white privilege is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I got up that Sunday morning, I was not scheduled to be here. Phil Stobaugh and I were doing a pulpit swap, and I was going to be up at Sanger. So when I got up that morning, Phil and I were texting to each other, did you read the letter? Did you see what the bishop said? And we were both encouraging each other, do it. Do it. I got on Facebook, and I saw clergy friends of mine from around the country Sunday morning rewriting their sermons in response to what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia. 
I pulled up the sermon that I was going to use, and I was trying to figure out how much of this do I need to rewrite, and fortunately, oh, it was just a wonderful sermon illustration that, that I could just put right in. At First United Methodist Church of Sanger, I said, racism and white privilege is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves all people. As much as we don't like to hear it, God loves the bigots and the racists and the ones who are protesting against that. God loves all people because God created all skin color. Thank goodness for variety in the world. And God created it. And that is what I preached that day. The bishop told us that we were to say a word of truth. The bishop tasked us with preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Actually, it wasn't the bishop. It was Jesus Christ who tasked us to preach that God loves all people. And actually, it's more than that. Jesus Christ tasks all of us with preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, which includes God's love of all people. A couple of weeks ago, I went to the clergy retreat up, in, up near Lake Texoma, up at Tanglewood. In a response to a recent shooting in Dallas, there were a little more than 100, it may be up to 200 by now, of clergy persons in our conference that signed a letter in support of African-American pastors and in support of an unbiased investigation into the shooting. I said the bishop doesn't send us letters very often. He forwarded that letter to all of us. That's how much our bishop feels against racism in our country. At the retreat, he brought it up again. And he said something that we don't ever hear the bishop say. He said, if you preach against racism, I will have your back. And let me tell you something, we're not used to hearing a bishop say anything about having your back on anything. And he said it. And then he went a step further. He went a step further that has caused me to seriously think about things. He said, when we have incidences of injustice in the world and in our country, and if we slide those injustices into prayer time, not that we shouldn't be praying for injustice in our country, but if we put it there in order to avoid having it in the sermon, the bishop said, then we are not doing our jobs. Part of the job of a pastor is to be a prophet and to actually say things that we really don't want to hear. But like Nathan, part of my job is to balance that, to be both prophet and pastor, and to craft the words in such a way that I can be prophet and pastor at the same time. Now, like David, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to get that wrong. As try as hard as I might to get my words just right, I might not get them right. And when I get them wrong, I am sorry. My position in when I preach is not to inflict pain or harm. That's never my intention, is to hurt anybody in this room. That's never my intention. However, it is my job to make us squirm a little bit. It is completely within my job to give a word of truth that maybe we don't want to hear, something we disagree with, something we really don't want to hear. I actually read this week that if you leave worship, having been confirmed that everything you believe is true, then worship has failed. Because in reality, what we need to hear in worship is to go out and do better and to do more 
and to be Jesus Christ in the world. And sometimes that makes us uncomfortable. So when you leave sometimes and you didn't really care for that, Katie, or boy, you made me squirm today, well, then you can say that to me, and that's okay, and I'll say, all right, let's have a pastor moment in conversation about that. I think Nathan was fearful in going before David. And I can tell you that because I guarantee you that most pastors don't want to preach on anything that's going to make the congregation squirm. And I can tell you why. I can tell you why pastors don't want to preach against racism, why they don't want to preach against injustice. It's because they don't want to lose their jobs. I have that fear at times here. There have been sermons where I have called members of this congregation ahead of time. I need you to pray for me in this because, quite frankly, I'm afraid I'm going to get chased out of town with what I have to say. I hope that you know me well enough and that you trust me enough that when I say something, it's because I honestly believe that that's where the Holy Spirit has led my tongue that day. Am I in fear that one of you one day is going to call the district superintendent and say, you're not going to believe what she said today, get her out of here? Yes, that is a fear that I have. But my bishop has now made it abundantly clear to me, I can't be a coward anymore. I can't tuck things away. When there is tragedy and injustice in this country, in this nation, in this world, it is a part of my job to say, no more. We are to be the hands and feet of Christ. We are to be the love of Christ. And we are to love all people because God loves all people. Sometimes we are Nathan. And God tasks us with confronting someone else in their sin. That doesn't apply just to me. That applies to everybody in here. We know the word of truth. We know God's love. And sometimes it is our jobs as Nathans to say, uh-uh, not that. Not that anymore. I don't want to leave the story of Nathan and David and not talk about Bathsheba. She is the silent character in this narrative. Let's be very, very clear. Bathsheba was the victim in this story. When the king calls and tells you to come over, there is a power imbalance. There is an extreme power imbalance. There was nothing consensual with what Bathsheba did at all. There was too much of a power imbalance. She was the victim here. When we see someone who is being sinned against, when someone is being told, you aren't good enough, it is our job to stand up and say, oh, yes, you are. When someone, anyone, is told God does not love you, it is our job to stand up and say, oh, yes, God does, and Jesus loves you. When someone is told you don't count because you don't look right, you don't speak right, you don't smell right, you don't vote right, it is our job to say, oh, yes, you do count. I care about you because God and Jesus cares about you. Sometimes we are Bathsheba. And the sin that happens in our life affects us. The sin of someone else affects us. Bathsheba, in her role, could not speak out against it. That's why she needs Nathans. That's why people who are not in power in our society need those of us who have power to be Nathans and to speak up and say, we don't treat people that way. Sometimes we are David and we can't see the sin in our own life. We see it in somebody else first. Sometimes we're Nathans 
And God calls us to speak a word of truth into the injustice in this world that's around us. And sometimes we are the Bathshebas, that the injustice is affecting us and causing us pain. May the Lord reveal to us, as with David, the sin in our own lives that's hurting someone else. May the Lord call us to be the Nathans and give us the courage and the strength to speak out against injustice and say, "Uh uh-uh, God loves. God loves. And may we see the Bathshebas in the world that are the victims of injustice who cannot speak up for themselves. The Lord sent Nathan to David. May the Lord send us to us for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.